0: Malcolm Brogdon takes over for the Pacers, guiding them to victory in Orlando. Going to talk about all that action, how the Pacers came back from down 18 points to steal a win against the Magic. And then, speaking of that Magic game, Jalen Smith, 15-15, and plays the most minutes of any big by a while. We can belabor the Pacers' decisions given his contract and where he could be headed with the future of this team, but he has planned very well since joining Indiana. I want to talk about what's clicking for him. And on the flip side of that, Since the trade deadline, Dwayne Washington, who was really a bright spot for the Pacers as a rookie this season, has not played as well since the trade deadline. What's going wrong for him? Can we identify maybe what he could be doing better for this team going forward? So some yin and yang going on here, and that's kind of how it is for every Pacers game. They win, they played well in overtime to beat the Magic in Orlando. Malcolm Brogdon was awesome. These all seem like awesome things for the Pacers and yet most fans obviously are deterred by wins at this point of the season and would like to see losses but it was a very fun game a very very fun basketball game Malcolm Brogdon was just absolute but beyond any notes of what happened during the game beyond the order of events beyond the highlight plays Malcolm Brogdon was magnificent 31 points on 18 shots he got 15 free throw attempts up he was absolutely dominant driving to the basket and the reason that's you know so noteworthy to me is Just two nights ago, Monday night, the Pacers play the magic and they were awful at driving. It was their worst rim attacking game of the season by by a mile. Frankly, they had under 30 points in the paint. And with Brogdon back, they immediately ratchet that number up where they're they're scoring no problem. And he's drawing fouls to the tune of 15 free throws. They finish with 46 points in the paint. You know, they get back to normal with, with their lead attacker, and he plays 41 minutes. He plays in overtime. He plays in the fourth quarter for the first time in months and months he was absolutely fantastic with all that 11 rebounds eight assists nearly a triple double plus five in the win malcolm brogdon was absolutely magnificent and continues to draw the praise from his teammates you know jalen smith called him a bucket you know a term that you wouldn't normally expect for a guy with the play style of brogdon but it was true in this game and you know Carlisle called him the best player on the floor and it's hard to say anything but that when he carries the team like he did in this game he guarded the magics guards Well, as well in this game, you know Jalen Sugg struggled at times. Uh, Cole Anthony was four for thirteen. You know you can go down the list of whatever guard you want to pick for the Pacers. Gary Harris didn't score or didn't hit a bucket. Terrence Ross was two for six. All of them struggled, and Malcolm Brogdon was a big part of that. He just shows since he's returned that that you know they were very. If they win the the game against OKC, every game he played in since the All-Star break ended, they would have won. You know, They would have beat OKC and then beat the Celtics and then beat the Magic in this game and lost when he didn't play against the Magic Monday. Now, they lost in that overtime, so this is is a pointless discussion. But the margin is very thin for them being an undefeated team when he plays since the break. He gels very well with the new-look team that plays fast. He's scoring lights out right now. He's shooting the ball pretty well. His defense looks good. I get it. There's not an age connection with him and the rest of the core of this team, but... If the Pacers are really trying to be good next year, as Kevin Pritchard and, and Rick Carlisle have alluded to, Malcolm Brogdon playing games like this should give them all the confidence in the world that he can be a piece on this team next year. Now, if they want to get younger and continue to build slower than they suggested, yeah, it makes sense to move them at that point. But I don't want to be, I've said be labor twice now on the show, but I don't want to get into that point again today. Today is about Malcolm Brogdon absolutely dominating the Orlando Magic and leading the Pacers to victory. And in overtime specifically, he was excellent, excellent in that game. Uh, assisted the the game-tying Halliburton dunk early in the OT period. Helped set up Buddy Heald's three. Uh, hit two free throws to extend the lead to eight. Uh, again, great defense. A rebound to when they were up six. Like He just did a lot when it mattered. So excellent Malcolm Brogdon game, once again, showing what his value can be for this team. And they really needed it because not a lot of guys really reached up to their their potential in this game. You know, this may have been the worst Halberton game uh, since the Pacers acquired him 21 and six. Doesn't even sound that bad, but four turnovers, seven for 16 from the field, he took 10 threes and it's actually good to see him be aggressive. I think if you're the Pacers who you've seen him be passive often, and that be one of his weaknesses, even per his own admission. Now Tyrese Halberton said, uh, I believe it was after the thunder game that, that he needed to be more aggressive in that game. So to see him do it is good, but the, the shots were not falling in this game. The turnovers were a problem in both games against Orlando But he healed a 6-for-17 He made 17 points on 17 shots. Too bad O'Shea Bursette games in a row. He had an awful offensive stint in Orlando. You know, those guys who have been sort of rocks for the Pacers on offense since the trade deadline were not very good in this game. Goga was terrible, terrible. This was the worst Goga game I've seen in a very long time in this game. Lance Stevenson was 3-for-8. You know, it was his first game back from injury. Good to see him. The Pacers needed him with the second unit and was a big part of them getting back on track, driving the ball, but he was not very good. And Dwayne Washington was one for nine with two turnovers. So a lot of guys struggled, but Brogdon was great. Hal Burton was fine. Uh, and then Isaiah Jackson fouled out. Uh, I, I could do a whole segment on that, and I might talk about that just briefly here. Uh, but he was excellent in his minutes. Didn't miss a shot, 16.7 rebounds. His defense continues to be impressive. Terry Taylor was good again. He is, every time he plays, plus 14 in his 18 minutes. He had six points and three rebounds. And Jalen Smith, 15 and 15. Holy cow. It's getting to the point where he played 37 minutes, which Jackson fouled out, and Gogo was was, I mean, awful. He was the worst two and a half minutes he's played all season. They had no other bigs besides Terry Taylor, who's playing the four behind O'Shea. So they had to play Jalen a lot in this game. And I still think they're playing him too much given the contractual situation he has next season. But he was fantastic. Fantastic in this basketball game. So really only three-ish three or four good contributors for the Pacers in this game, but they got so much from Brogdon and they got really good minutes out of those guys. The other three, when they were in the game, but it was enough to win. And Jackson, I'm going to, I'm going to quote Mark Degnall the coach of the Oklahoma city thunder pretty quickly, but Jackson's interesting. Uh, in the way that he's playing and you know, he played tw- under one second, under 23 minutes in this game. And he actually did foul out, but it was in overtime. It was basically right at the end of the game. So he only, only fouled out by the box score, but not by like the flow of the game. If that makes sense, like, Felling out with, let me find the exact moment so I don't just say something stupid. But it was so late in the game that it it, it hardly counts to me. I'm um, having trouble finding it at the moment. Uh, two minutes and 21 seconds to go in overtime. Right, so that is that is over 50 minutes into the game of basketball. So yes, he fouled out technically, but not by the letter of the law. So Mark Degnalt said this week, the coach of the Thunder. Um, he, this was about Shea Gilders Alexander playing with five health. He said. When you take guys off the court with fouls, every minute they're off the floor, you're basically fouling them out. And then later in the quote, he said, there's no guarantee that that player fouls out. That makes so much sense to me. Nate Bjorkman was actually pretty good about this. He would leave guys in with fouls all the time. So when Jackson comes, and, and with when it's two fouls really early, I'm receptive to taking a guy out. But there becomes a point where you know, you're know you reducing a guy's minutes almost too much. You know, and, and, and Jackson did foul out. So clearly Carlisle was right that he would foul out if he played him. But there's a point where he's got to keep playing through this. He'll never learn from the fouling mistakes he never plays. And lowering his minutes uh, is pretty painful for this team at this point of a developing season. So Jackson obviously has to be better at, about fouling. You know, he, this is a very big problem for him. He's admitted it himself. But I think Carlisle needs to be a little looser with leaving guys in, in, in foul trouble situations. But Jackson was still excellent when he played. He continues to fit extremely well with Albertan. Uh, his defense is is very impressive at, at two different positions, fits well with basically anyone who attacks the rim well. Because he could be that vertical spacer, he just gives guys a little bit extra time in the lane to make decisions and make passes. Uh, and then Jalen Smith, look, if he's going to give you 15 and 15 and be a beast in the pain and draw fa- three fouls and hit all his free throws and be a plus 27, you got to keep him out there. So. Pacers got a ton from him too, and he merits a ton of attention after a 15 and 15 game to the point where the Pacers tweet about him and everyone's saying, you know, on Twitter, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, you know, we don't want other teams to see, haha, that this happened, and then maybe he can have his value lower and stay with this team. The Pacers joked that they blocked all the other teams from seeing the tweet. It was pretty funny. So he was excellent as well. What the Pacers learned from this game, though, is pretty simple. Malcolm Brogdon is their best player. Rick Carlisle made that very clear after the game. He was their best player in this game. And the reason they came back from down 18, I have barely even mentioned that. They were down 18 in the middle of the third quarter. Game flow looked like they were dead in the water. I even tweeted, you know, what an awful trip to Orlando this was for the Pacers. It looked like they were going to lose twice in a row after awful third quarters. But they were able to come back from down 18, hit a bunch of threes in the fourth after struggling all night. And, and found a way to get it done. So an impressive comeback win for the Pacers, even though it was against the worst team in the league. And they march on knowing very well that Brogdon, combined with their current core, can be quite the good basketball team. And speaking of one of those players who could be a part of that young core, Jalen Smith just continues to be incredibly impressive. Coming up, we're talking about Jalen Smith and everything he's done well for the Pacers since joining the team and why he's playing so well for the Pacers compared to his time in Phoenix. Speaking of things that have gone well, let's talk about betonline.net, though, because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam ahead both for both pro and college hoops. although as an IU fan, I choose to ignore college basketball these days. And from the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, your sports podcasts, and your sports news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds and information. They've got all the coverage and info you need right over on their website, BetOnline.net. Head over to that website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your First, listen today and every day for your second listen. Maybe go check out Lockdown Now, or you can hear about what happened in every single NBA game from Locked On, host that night. I'm on it every single time the Pacers play, covering what happened in their game. The Magic Coast will be on there. They'll all be there. You can learn about the Thunder winning so the Pacers do not actually lose ground in the tanking race on this particular night. Let's talk about Jalen Smith, like I alluded to earlier. 15 and 15 games merit this kind of, of segmented discussion, and I've talked about Jalen Smith on this show quite a bit. You know, Evan Sidery, who covers the Suns, or covered the Suns, came on and talked about what he did with Phoenix. And I talked about his contract situation. And there's a lot of Jalen Smith intrigue. But he had 15 rebounds in this game. That was a career high. 15 points was higher than he scored as a rookie. He had a game in Phoenix scoring 19 this season. But, you know, a, a career game for Jalen Smith. One game after getting ejected. What is going so well for him here? And, you know, the Pacers keeping him is going to be extremely hard. Although I will say, you know, I've been discussing the situation with, with other people in the league, just in general, like around the NBA. And a lot of them are like, you really think he's going to get more than $4.8 million? And, you know, they're not plugged into the Pacers day-to-day like fans and people who cover the team are. So, yeah, I get why they're a little incredulous at first. And I still think he will he'll he has the ability to get more than that. But just remember, it takes a bigger sample than eight games for the league and, and it's, <laughs> its key players to, to really come around on this kind of stuff. But anyway... Jalen Smith was awesome in this game. 15 and 15 is a career night. And, I, you know, when I had Evan Sidery on to talk about Jalen Smith, he was like, yeah, he kind of was this player in Phoenix, just couldn't get the opportunity. And I'm receptive to that. I believe that. You know, I I don't not follow the Suns. They're an absolute joy to watch. But he is better here than he was there. Like, no doubt. The stats bear it out perfectly. Even per 36, get rid of the fact that his opportunity is bigger. For 36 minutes, this is before this game, but he had 15 and 15. So these numbers are all actually higher than I'm probably about to say. His scoring is up over three and a half points. His steals are up, his blocks are down, his turnovers are down, his assists are way up. His rebounds on his offensive rebounds are down, but his defensive rebounds are up. Basically, everything except for offensive rebounds, he is at the same level or better than he was in Phoenix on like a rate right basis. And He's shooting lights out from three. 46% prior to this Magic game, who he struggled as a stretch. He was one for three. You know, everything that he needs to do to get on the floor more or needed to do to get on the floor more with Phoenix. Drive to the basket. Shoot threes. Play a little defense. Get some steals. You know, kind of rotate off ball. He's been a very good off ball defender with the Pacers. He didn't do them in Phoenix as well as he did here. If he did, he wouldn't have been traded for Torrey Craig. So, obviously, he's playing better than he did there. Or else he would not have been available to the Pacers and the cap was a factor in this trade as well. But everything has shaken out right for him to be kind of unleashed here. And I think there's a lot of reasons for this. And the, and the most obvious one is just the style and expectations of his play here. This is not a knock on Chris Paul, which it's going to sound if I'm starting with a caveat, it's always going to sound like a knock. Chris Paul is one of the best point cards of all time. It's not a knock on Chris Paul. Chris Paul also plays very rigidly and he's so good at going through the reads of plays and, Executing things and the Suns in general are very good at those kind of things. Even when campaigns and they're good at that, even when Book is running the offense, they're good at being very methodical and getting guys open via elaborate schemes and sets. And that stuff is great. That stuff is also hard for young players. They have to learn an offense that's way more challenging than anything they've ever run before. They have to know where to stand, they have to figure out how to read the game really quick, especially playing with Chris Paul. You know, that's even a higher level than some NBA teams, right? So yeah, it works. The Suns are the best team in the league. I'm not belittling the Phoenix offense, but it's not a good situation for a young player like Jalen Smith, who then comes to the Pacers, where it's it's almost exactly the opposite. It's a bunch of young guys right now who don't know each other that well, and it's not a system that is that rigid. It's way more free-flowing, especially now, and it's a lot of guys who are like him that are kind of read and react and, and quicker and still young and spry. So yeah, the Pacers will grow into more of more offensive sets as they as they grow together and can practice more quite frankly I think they've only practiced three times four times since the all-star break since the deadline really so more stuff will be implemented sure but part of the reason he's succeeding so much to me in Indiana is Jalen Smith can just play more free and, and play outside of you know just such rigid stuff and timing and all that stuff that's really challenging when you're a young player that you have to learn and he, he he could learn that stuff as his career goes on but that's part of what it's been for him the other part is expectations when you're playing on the suns or you're playing on a good team in general you're expected to come in and produce you know there's not as long of a leash for you to grow and to make mistakes you know, tj leaf stunk but you know that was part of the issue with him is you know he he didn't have time to make mistakes it, it took two or three games of that happening and they would put someone else in at the backup for Aaron holiday, had the same problem. He had about four games in the rotation before Nate McMillan went to TJ McConnell in his sophomore year. Right. You don't get that kind of time on good teams and on, young, on not good teams like the Pacers this year, Jalen Smith can, can get no expectations, do your thing. We'll keep you in there. And, and that's allowing him to play more free and, and play a lot better. And another part of that is, the, the Pacers have the confidence to let him do whatever he wants. And that includes driving and shooting and doing stuff that he would never have done in Phoenix. And he has even talked about like not being surprised necessarily but being like, Oh, really? You're like, you'll let me shoot every time I catch it. And he's not gonna do that. But you know, he shoots a lot of threes that he would not have taken with the Suns, and he's making them. You know, he's shooting extremely well from deep. He's shooting three times as many threes per game as he did with Phoenix, obviously playing way more minutes though per 36. Three points this season, he was at 3.7, three-point attempts per 36, with Phoenix 6.1 with the Pacers prior to this Magic game, right? So there's a lot of freedom and confidence factor going into how he's playing. And then the glass, he's just dominating all of a sudden. You know, with the Suns, again, I hate to keep going back to that, but you know, his defensive rebounding numbers are up, and that's something that they needed him to do. The Pacers have been one of the better rebounding teams in the league since he got here, and he had 12 defensive rebounds in this game, right? He clearly has fit well with with the Pacers how they play and what he needs to do now something he's added that I don't think he really did at all with the Suns and something that's made him very threatening with the Pacers is he's driving to the basket Jalen Smith you know I've watched him some and he had those games where he was in the rotation when the Suns had COVID issues and an aid injury but you know he's never been someone to drive to the basket he shot 70 percent at the rim For the Suns this season, 82% for the Pacers since getting here, and this is prior to the Magic game that they just played again. Basketball Reference doesn't update these stats till the next day, but drives have been a big part of that. With the Suns this entire season, with the Suns, he had 13 drives, and that was over the course of uh, 22 games and 350 minutes. With the Pacers prior to this Magic game, in 160 minutes and seven games, he had he had eight drives, so he's going to smash that number, right? He's he's almost at a drive and a half per game with the Pacers whereas he was simply at uh, .7-something with the Suns. So he's driving way more, which is something he didn't even do with Phoenix because he's got the confidence to do it. He's got the backing to do it, and the team is playing with a freedom that allows him to do it. And he's got the Dwayne Washington sort of quick decision thing. He shoots right away if he feels like he's open. He puts it on the floor right away if his defender's too close. Right? He's just put it all together at the same time, and maybe the shooting goes away and he looks way less effective. Or maybe he starts turning it over on these drives a little bit because it's not something he does all the time. It's been eight games, right? There is a small sample size factor at play. I won't even deny that. The longer it goes, the more real it gets. But he's looked great, and he's doing everything they need him to do. His defense looked crisp. But it all comes down to the fact to me that he's hitting his threes, and he's not turning those those drives over because that allows him to play two positions, and and it makes his life easier when he can play the four and five, and he can do all these things. So basically he's doing everything the Pacers are asking him to do and very little wrong. And he's in a better situation than he was before, and it's allowing him to thrive. So Jalen Smith has found a great home for his career, and it's unclear how long that will last uh, or what kind of offers he could get this summer at this stage of time. But he's playing very well, and at this stage, it's probably the best for the Patriots to just enjoy it to the extent that they're willing to play him because, you know, to me, obviously, you don't you don't want to play him very much at all if you want to keep his value down so you can keep him. And I've had people rightly Follow up with me privately and say, this is mostly followers. This is no one in the NBA who have said something like, you know, there's a human element. Why would he want to come back to a team that is suppressing his value and keeping him on the bench? And I I hear that, you know, he it would suck to not play. But my my response is usually, well, yeah, okay, but they're they're not playing him because they like him, right? You know, maybe the, the human element of him would be like, oh, they like me so much they want me back that they're not playing me now, so they can play me in the future. If you're the Pacers, there's a lot of gambles involved with how you use Jalen Smith and how you play him, just because of the restrictions in keeping him, especially when he has 15 and 15 games like this. So they have to play it well if they want to keep him, and they have to give him the best offer they possibly can and hope that he stays. But he has found a situation where he can thrive, and the Pacers have done a good job so far, again, in a very small sample of games, of unlocking him. And it's been very impressive to watch, and I'll be very curious how long this can last. Now, someone on the flip side... Of what's happening to Jalen Smith is Mr. Dwayne Washington. One of the bright spots for the Pacers this season as a rookie. Was in the rotation even when they were kind of healthy and playing well. And in December and January getting over 10 minutes a game. Was thriving for the bad ants. And then splat. It is has all completely just fallen. It is back on ground level for Dwayne Washington. What's going wrong? Coming up. We're talking about that. But I want to tell you guys first about the good people over at Rock auto because of the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need you get in there they ask you the embarrassing questioning about the exact specs of your car that you either don't know or you do know but they don't carry the part that you need anyway so they got to order it then you got to go back and get it takes forever it's never in the aisle you think it's going to be in the store so you got to talk to someone anyway it's all very annoying but if you have a computer or a phone you can access rockauto.com at home or in your pocket and save time and money. They're a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years, and they have everything you could need for your vehicle at reliably low prices, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, ca- car parts that I've never even heard of before. You gotta check it out at rockauto.com. You can explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Thank you again for making lockdown On your first listen every single day. Let's talk about Dwayne Washington and his struggles recently. I can't ignore it for too much longer. It, may, it, it needs some attention. And not necessarily because I want to just throw fire on guys playing bad. It's about talking about solutions. How can the Pacers maximize this rookie? Because there was a time this season when I thought they should try to convert this guy's contract. In fact... When they bought out Tristan Thompson, his slump was just starting to the point where I was kind of waffling on if it made more sense in my head to convert Dwayne Washington's contract to Terry Taylor's. Now, Terry Taylor is the answer for me, no doubt, but that the, that both speaks to how well Terry Taylor has played and to the slide that Dwayne Washington is currently a part of where he is just struggling so much that someone else has outplayed him and and earned a deal if a conversion comes for the Pacers, But that is not what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about converting contracts. I want to talk about Dwayne Washington's struggles, why they might be happening, what the Pacers can do to potentially fix them, because he's still in the rotation all the time. He's the backup two guard. He's the backup one with Brogdon out, right? They don't have a ton of guards, especially with Sykes hurt. They've had a lot, or uh, excuse me, with Duarte hurt, not Sykes. I was looking at two names at once. You know, that between Brogdon being in and out and Duarte being in and out and Lance being in and out, they needed him every game. He still played 17 minutes in this one against the Magic, and they did very well in those minutes, but he mostly just synced up with a good bench unit in this game. So Dwayne Washington Jr., right, since the trade deadline, and really I'm going to include an extra game here. Uh, One game before the trade deadline, they played the Hawks. That was after the Sabonis trade. So since the Pacers traded away their core of their team and switched up their roster. Dwayne Washington has played in nine games. I can't get all nine in the basketball reference thing. I can get eight of them. But in the eight games prior to this Magic game, in those eight games, 16 minutes per game, he is shooting 27.5%. A ghastly number. 29% from through, which means his two-point percentage is in the toilet. And I, I don't even have that in front of me. 57% from the free throw line. Even that's not good for a shooter. Right, 1.4 assists, 1.1 turnovers, basically even there. Less than five points per game, a negative in the plus-minus in all but the last three games of that sample. Dwayne Washington has completely hit a wall with his shot. And that's so low, especially given what we saw from him before those games, that you know it's not a fluke and it's just a really, really long, poor stretch but it's combined with the turnovers being up. You, know, you talk about 1.1 turnovers per game in less than 16 minutes. right? Let's go with the stretch before that, You know, the game before they traded Oasis Sabonis, up to his first game in the rotation in Chicago the day after Christmas. He played in three games before that but didn't play over 10 minutes. From that stretch, this is 20 games. He played 24 minutes per game, so basically 150% of the minutes and had 1.2 turnovers per game, so 0.1 more in 150% of the minutes. Right. So he's turning it over way more. And his three point percentage is way down, and his attempts are way down even. In that stretch I just described from that debut game where he played over 10 minutes in Chicago to the game before they traded Sabonis and traded away their whole team, 5.2 three point attempts per game. And again, there are some minutes at play here where he was taking 20, playing 23 minutes in that down to 16. Now it's only three attempts per game in the 16 minutes he's getting since the trade deadline. So his attempts are down, his turnovers are up, he can't make anything. What is going on? Cuz everything is worse for him offensively. And even when he was playing well on offense in the stretch from from December to early no, to early February, excuse me, his defense was poor. Right? That that's one of in fact calling it poor is nice, you know. He was he may be one of the worst defenders in the NBA and he's a rookie guard on two a 2A. It's not like there was a high expectation for his defense, but it's been really bad. So he has to be good on offense to make up for it. He has not done that. So part of it is this, I think. His touches that he's gotten since they traded away Sabonis, since they traded away Lavert, since Torrey Craig was dealt, Brogdon was hurt, Lance was hurt. This is all this. I just named a bunch of guys who have the ball a lot, right? What he's been asked to do since the deadline has been more create-y. They've been asking him to try to pass more with worse weapons to finish those plays with the guys he's playing with. So He's not a good creator for others yet, and they've been kind of slamming him in point guard minutes, trying to make it happen. With Bro, again, Brogdon was out, Lance was out, Duarte has been out. You know, guys have missed time that have forced him to kind of be a creator, especially when Brogdon wasn't playing in those fourth quarters. You know, they, he was playing at point guard in, in some of those minutes, and he is not necessarily great at that yet. In fact, there's no, why did I say necessarily? He's just not great at that yet. So handling the ball more and just being asked to create for others more is hurting him because. You know, with the old team, when he was, he, he didn't often play with Sabonis. But when he was with Sabonis, or when he was with Lavert, or when he was with Brogdon pre, you know, this time frame, or when he was with all those other guys, he was just kind of run around, catch and shoot, or you know, run around and make your quick decision with the ball. And that's something he was really good at. I still have a note on my podcast notes tab for an article about him where I put he never holds the ball. He when he catches the Popovich roll, he's great at it boom, he's doing something, he's driving, he's shooting, he's passing, he does something. He still is doing that now that he's struggling, but that's way more of a weapon when you're running around off ball and you're catching against a bet defense than now where he's kind of handling the ball more. So that's kind of the crux of all his struggles to me. His role has changed and his teammates have changed. And for him, that's a lot of change for a guy like him who is a rhythm shooter who causes disruption by making quick decisions. He can't make quick decisions when he's asked to make harder decisions. And he's not in the same role where he's running around catching and shooting. He's actually creating the shot for himself a little more. So I don't know how the Pacers can get him back to his old role, besides just guys getting healthy. And, and quite frankly, that is going to happen pretty soon. You know, if Duarte returns Friday, let's just pretend. You know, wh- where's what's Dwayne's spot in this rotation? You know, is he the backup too still? But someone's got to lose minutes for for Duarte to play. And I'm not, I'm not really sure who that is. You know, buddy, he'll play 44 minutes. You I suppose it could just come from that, but it's possible Dwayne's spot in the rotation is Hanging on by a thread. So if everybody comes back, you know, his if he can get back to his ideal role, then maybe he can go back to being a better shooter and, and being a guy who can finish off bent defenses and making his threes. But if they keep needing him to be a point guard because there's injuries or holding Brogdon out for back to backs, whatever, you know, he might continue to struggle. And that's going to be tough for him. And and this is kind of one of those things that we might see a lot over these last 18 games for the Pacers is guys changing roles and slumping. Because, and think about this from the Pacers' perspective. Let's say they like Dwayne Washington still. You know, they, they think, oh, wow, this guy's a really good movement shooter and could be a movement shooter for us. Let's try to grow his other skills. Let's make him play point guard for a little bit. And those minutes go terrible, but at least you're developing it and trying to grow him. And so it looks terrible and his minutes look awful, sure. But if you're the Pacers, you can say, well, we tried to grow his skills there. You know, maybe maybe if you're a fan, you have to think about is that better than just letting him do the stuff we already know he's good at. And you know he gets better at those things, but doesn't grow his skill set as much. You know, that's kind of the balance the Pacers have to think about in these last 18 games. And I think with Dwayne, it's been rough to the so rough to the point that I think they need to get him to just get better at the stuff he's already good at and get him back to that role that he was playing at with the old Pacers team and not so much a creation role where he's asked to do stuff for others. That's just my take on his struggles. But if you have other ideas, let me know on Twitter, at T East NBA or comment on YouTube. YouTube is going very well if you want to see my lovely face speaking every day or subscribing. That would be great. We're getting close to that lovely 1,000 number, which is crazy to think about. You guys have been awesome this season for those who watch over there. Thank you all so much for listening today. Tomorrow, I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about yet. I have to figure that out with a guest or something. But I promise you it will be fun and interesting because this growing team has a lot of fun and interesting storylines going on all at the same time, and they play twice this weekend. So next week we have... Lots of games to cover. And I, have some ve- I do have some very fun guests already lined up for next week when they have four days off between Wednesday and the weekend. So you won't want to miss all that. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you have a great day. And we will see you tomorrow.